Welcome to the Old Republic Podcast. We are a podcast that discusses Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, general sci-fi, and about the stories that inspired a galaxy. Consider this a spoiler warning for everything under the sun and the twin suns in that galaxy far, far away. This is where the fun begins. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Old Republic Podcast. Today we are uh, making our final uh, character log entry for uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2. Uh, it's been quite the journey going through all of the all of the locations of KOTOR 2, all of the uh, the companions of KOTOR 2, talking about the the characters, their stories, how they play into uh, Mitra Surik's uh, purgatory story, all of all of that stuff. And today we are uh, finally getting to that one to uh, to Mitra Surik. But uh, uh, spoiler uh, for the character, not even not even called Mitra Surik in the game, but that's probably what we're going to be referring uh, to this character today uh, as we go through uh, this last entry. So, uh, Cassia, how are you doing today? Uh, how are you looking forward to uh, wrapping up our Kotor two companion guides? I am so. Uh, yeah, Mitra is the titular character in KOTOR 2, and she's a very fascinating one. That's right, absolutely. Uh, she is a fascinating character. Um, obviously, uh, you know, being being the game, you can uh, play the exile as a uh, male or a female character, but would uh, later be uh, canonized as a uh, female character, at least in terms of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic canon anyway. So let's talk about uh, the character uh, here a little bit. So Mitra Surik is a player character in Knights of the Old Republic 2, known as the Exile in the game. Uh, do you know when uh, Mitra Surik uh, got her name, Cassian? It was Revan. in the Revan novel. Yeah. Revan novel is responsible uh, for for so much stuff. We really owe it a debt of gratitude uh, there for sure. Uh, I could have I could have uh, sworn uh, that Mitra Surik was called Mitra Surik in the game, uh, but apparently I'm incorrect. Or uh, Wikipedia. I think it was incorrect. like at least. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, a name that was available. I mean, and so. and uh, it, I I believe that I'm probably more incorrect than uh, Wikipedia in this instance. So yeah, I'm gonna take their word for it. So um, yeah. similar here to the player character in Kotor One, um, as a large part of. Uh, this game and your character's story uh, revolves around you know piecing together uh, the memories. Um, I read uh, an interesting uh, kind of interview um, with the the writers of the game back when we were doing the the Korea episode. Um, and in the interview, they said that uh, LucasArts did not give them the full final copy of uh, huh. the original KOTOR game um, because it hadn't hadn't been released yet when they'd started working on it and they wouldn't give them like the like the like beta version of the game. So they had to wait until the game was released to the public. So the only like information they had was like the little like blurb about it on the website. So it had already been in development, uh, KOTOR 2 for like six months at the time when uh, KOTOR uh, came out. So you wonder why there was uh, you know, so much, so much rush and stuff to, to get the game done and why there's uh, kind of the disconnect. But I thought that that was interesting. I just wanted to, uh, to uh, make a point of that there. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the character, right? Who we're playing. So Mitra Surik is, you know, important in the confines of KOTOR 2, you know, being the player character. She's finding the uh, Jedi Council, the scattered members, and uh, bringing about the defeat of the Sith Triumvirate. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, like, what do you think, like, the Sith Triumvirate, like, means, like... Uh... I, th I think it means there were three of them. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a way like what do they reflect in Mitra? That's what I mean. Oh yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a trickier question. Um, uh, certainly uh, you get uh, Darth Treya there. Uh, 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 betrayal Kreia, you know, is um obviously we're we're meeting Kreia within the game, uh, acting as kind of the 
Um, I don't even I don't even know if it's fair to say she's acting as the conscience of uh, Mitra Zurich as of the exile uh, necessarily, but uh, maybe kind of um, in a weird uh, twisted way. Go back and listen to the the Cray episode for uh, more on her. But I think um, I think Nihilus is probably representative of um, you know kind of the kind of the 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 damage and the rift that uh, Mitra Zurich caused um, in the galaxy. Um, right, as being the one, you know, kind of that was, uh, you know, caught in the explosion of that and created because of that, right? So he's kind of like the, like the, I guess, dark, dark version of uh, the exile, maybe in that instance, uh, there. And uh, Scion, I think, is uh, playing off of, you know, kind of the, obviously in the game, uh, you can make kind of the parallels that he's like a, like a lustful character over Mitra Zurich. So um, I think maybe that is meant to be kind of her, um, her psyche, her like gun unwielding, um, like guilt, I think Scion is like a like the like the representation of guilt uh, for the character. So, um, so yeah, to me, to me, I guess you just put me on the spot. I think Nihilus represents, um, you know, kind of kind of the history of of the bad things that she did, and Scion is representative of her guilt. Uh, but what about you? What do you think? Yeah, because it's like Scion never uh, is able to let go. So I, I think it it does kind of represent guilt, and then. Uh, Nihilus, it, it's kind of like her equal, even though like Kreia's there. Mm -hmm. Can someone have like two equals, you know? And there's sure, three yeah. equals. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're three equals, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's like Kreia's kind of like her mentor, but like, uh, I mean, we've kind of done our Kreia episode, and it's like, you know, like, Kreia is Kreia you know like she teaches you things but then it's kind of just like you're wrong no matter what you do so it's mm -hmm. interesting so yeah yeah for sure it is interesting um something else i found that was interesting so apparently original and original originally in the uh, early promotional artwork for the game and the game trailer um it inferred that the exile was male uh, but that was never really given any sort of confirmation um, until 2006 in the book The Essential Guide to Droid. Uh, that established the character of the Exile as a female, um, and then uh, again was established as a female in the 2008 KOTOR campaign guide uh, for the role-playing game there. And then, of course, you know, in the 2011 Revan novel, uh, Mitra Surik is there named and uh, female. So that's how um, the canonical uh, gender for Mitra Surik came about. Um, and we do have a, a Another tie to current canon, uh, Cassia. So, uh, in the High Republic number two comic book, uh, the name Surik is used in that comic book. And Kevin Scott, who wrote that uh, comic, High Republic number two, uh, confirmed on Twitter that uh, that name Surik was indeed derived from Mitra Surik. So, I think we're up to Kotor being three hundred and nineteen percent canon now. Oh yeah, you know. It's canon. They don't even need to make, you know, a remake or whatever, because it's just that canon amount already. <laughs> that's less that's less than canon. A remake would be. I think we're already we're already like so far above and beyond that. So so yeah, those are some little uh little tidbits about kind of the the background of the character. Um let's 
uh, talk about some background of the actual character, uh, kind of the the early life of here. So um, the the KOTOR, like canon version of the exile here, uh, hails apparently from Dantooine, although we don't really know if that was uh, her place of birth or not, uh, but definitely uh, grew up on Dantooine there uh, as a young Jedi brought to to train there and was uh, trained under the tutelage of Master Kabar. That seems good. That seems like a good uh, mentor to have, maybe. Yeah, he he did look nice too. I thought. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. If looks could kill, uh, Master Kabar would be a okay. That's right. Uh, but unfortunately, not all good. Uh, Master Kabar left to fight the Mandalorian Wars, so uh, Mitra Sirk was left to study under Vima Sunrider. Uh, so, you know, from the from that lineage of Sunriders there, who was uh, who's a little bit more standoffish, a little bit more cautious about uh, Mitra Sirk, and was very uh, very warning uh, to young Mitra about uh, overutilizing her Force powers, including uh, a very dangerous one: severing one's connection uh, from the Force. So. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, one person's fear there, Vima Sunrider, uh, becomes another one's bounty uh, in uh, Kreia, uh, Darth Kreia, right, uh, sees that uh, that Force ability and wants to latch onto it. We talked a little bit about that in our, our Kreia episode, but uh, yeah, that seems like something that would be very easily exploitable if it fell into the wrong hands. Yeah, for sure. It is interesting how much of an impact, you know, it has on KOTOR 2, so... Uh uh with the we're talking about the mass shadow generator right well this is this is her actual force power right to uh to sever uh you know people's uh force connections which was what Kreia wanted to wanted to use to rid the galaxy of the force right she knew kind of uh that Mitra Sirk had this ability and wanted to to capitalize it so more more of like the uh the uh, the midichlorian based uh, a power here as opposed to the to the mass shadow generator which did the same thing i guess mechanically um at the uh you know, during the uh, Mandalorian Wars. Um, speaking of the Mandalorian Wars, uh, Mitra Sirk was recruited by Malak uh, during them to uh, join up uh, the cause with Revan, and she did so yeah. and became a general in his army, which eventually led her in the position to detonate said mass shadow generator uh, on Malachor V, which had uh, some very damning repercussions for the galaxy. For sure. That's kind of what we see in KOTOR 2 is like the uh the remnants of the mandalorian war even in kotor 1 honestly it, it's such a massive mm -hmm. massive war and i think you deal more with like the personal fallout of it you know rather than the galactic m impact you know um because i think like uh kotor 2 is about trying to rebuild you know um and mm, sure trauma that, that's what i would say yeah definitely it has you know kind of the real world you know parallels of you know piecing piecing you know the world or this galaxy back together after a after a massive you know galaxy-wide or you know worldwide wide war how do you put those uh, pieces back together and definitely the second game you know dwells into that um on a much more personal level uh the mitra Zurich and you know the companions and uh how they all came to be in her you know kind of stewardship within the game right all having felt some effect from uh the actions that she took there um on malachor 5 so um let's see here following the war uh mitra Zurich was the only jedi apparently to not fall to the dark side um and return to coruscant to face the jedi council where she was done Dun dun dun, 
exiled. Um, and apparently you can find out in the game if you have a conversation with uh, HK-47, uh, you uh, you learn that uh, Malik had uh, wanted Revan to send HK-47 out to eliminate Mitra Zurich, right, as a potential uh, threat to uh, to their allegiance, I guess, to their side of the of the fighting. But uh, Revan felt that uh, you kind of, after Malachor V, after that had uh, detonated, she had basically already died. Um, and that, uh, you know, her returning to Coruscant would, uh, you know, kind of kind of stick one in the face of the Jedi Council, right? Show them up for their uh, hypocrisy of, uh, you know, uh, casting everyone out who went to this uh, galaxy-wide war. So um, I thought that that was, uh, that was kind of an interesting uh, little tale uh, that you can learn there but yeah you you know you make you make mistakes you go back to the jedi council you might expect um you know some uh some forgiveness some some leniency a chance to learn but not here in the uh old, Repu old republic days say so get out mitra out of here yeah uh so it, it's interesting um i guess like how do you think like her companions kind of mirror her we, we've kind of like gone over it a little bit yeah, we kind of, if you want to go back and listen to the um, episodes we did with the uh, the Kotor 2 companion guides, um, you kind of get a little bit more uh, detail about each of those. But, um, you know, just uh, kind of off the top of my head here, uh, going through the roster, you have uh, Visas Mar, whose uh, planet gets uh, annihilated by, um, by Darth Nihilus, you know, who was created as... Uh, uh, as a as a byproduct, I guess more or less of um, this uh, mass shadow generator. So uh, she has Mitra Zurich to thank for that. You have um, you have uh, Mira, uh, who's uh, uh, basically uh, you know from some uh, war torn region and uh, gets uh, captured by the Mandalorians. That's a you know kind of a an effect of this war that's uh, happened there. You have um, Mikal, who is left uh, without a uh, master um, on the the uh, Jedi uh, temple there on uh, Dantooine because Mitra Zurich has has left and gone off to fight in this war, so he's left uh, without a master. That's so that's had an effect um, on him, obviously. So uh, kind of kind of on and on you go through the uh, the different companions there. Were there ones that stick out specifically to you um, that weigh a little bit uh, heavier within the story, or ones that that I uh, I skipped over there? What do you think, Cassian? Uh, I think. Uh... We've kind of like mentioned them all in, you know, the the different episodes um, that we, we've kind of talked about them, but they all kind of like have connections, like either to the exile or to the Mandalorian War, like uh, results of the Mandalorian War, you know, uh, so that that was interesting to me. Um just how everyone's connected in this game, like villains and heroes. I should have said heroes and villains, you know, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, they're great. And, um, I think one thing that is cool, we just have like a, a female, uh, uh, hero or heroine, I guess, you know, leading like, a uh a video game a star wars video game you know and i thought that was cool mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's uh it's it's really neat to to kind of have that and how it plays off of you know kind of on the on the 
tail end of uh, KOTOR 1 and you know kind of the the events of the of the games are happening you know almost simultaneously uh really which is which is kind of weird to to think about uh you know at least kind of in the in the first section of the game but yeah really everyone uh does obviously um you have a uh, mandalore uh there who has uh ties but yeah they're all kind of interconnected to uh Mitra Surik, which is which is interesting and very different um in the first kotor you have you know kind of these companions that are coming uh together because you know they're they're on board with the mission that uh, you know revan uh is looking for right or bastila in the uh the unknown uh, character that you're that you're portraying there, but here in Kotor two, it's really all the companions are coming along, not so much because they care about the Sith Triumvirate or you know finding the members of the Jedi Council, but they just are like intrinsically linked to Mitra Surik, and I think that's a more um, I don't want to say a more interesting way, but definitely a, an interesting way and a, a much different way of building out your your companions in a video game, right? Or you know really in any kind of uh, like heroes. Um, journey type of story you're usually getting companions because they're of some sort of some sort of like mind it's not necessarily that they're just tied uh to your hero in the story and i think that that's a really interesting way to tell that story yeah and the really cool thing is that it kotor 2 is followed by kotor 3 you know and we got the whole trilogy no just kidding um <laughs> although although maybe it's maybe it's okay that we didn't if uh you know if, if lucas arts wasn't even going to like let uh whoever was making kotor 3 see uh see this game we could have gotten like another like uh unfinished uh sort of thing going on so so maybe i don't know maybe it was good i don't know probably the not, unfinished trilogy that's complete i don't know it, the unfinished com completed uh trilogy the completed we gotten, unfinished trilogy we would have gotten know. a whole whole new set of characters to learn about in the third one uh, we got the third one is the, is the Revan novel, uh, for sure. So that's where everyone's getting their names and stuff like that. So um, uh, speaking of uh, KOTOR 2, so uh, to kind of round out uh, Mitra Surik's story here uh, a little bit, Surik uh, ends up in the Outer Rim and uh, is uh, sent out to be picked up by the Republic. I think um, actually Atris was the one that said to said to go get her, to bring her back, right? Because uh, she wanted to lure the Sith Triumvirate out of hiding. That was a terrible idea, uh, Atris, uh, for sure. So they do, they go, they go get her. She's, uh, I guess, on board the uh, harbinger when it gets attacked by that uh, empty freighter um and Kreia is able to uh smuggle mitra surik aboard the ebon hawk and that's when you know the game gets uh, started off there with uh, t3 quite literally uh putting out fires and saving the day the real hero of the galaxy uh t3 m4 but that's what gets us started um into kotor 2 so uh that's kind of a, a little bit of the the background on mitra surik yeah so we could talk about her forever, you know, uh, but kind of, in a way, when we talk about the settings of KOTOR 2, the companions and the villains, like, they're kind of extensions of her. Like, we learn stuff from who she travels with, who she's fighting against, and uh, uh, where she is, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Who do you think, like, has the biggest, like, reflection uh, on her? Um, that's kind of hard to say, really. Um, I mean, it's easy to say uh, Kreia, I guess, but I don't, she's not really reflecting um, Mitra as much as, like, maybe, like, putting up a, a mirror in front of her. Um, but maybe it's not, like, that good of a mirror, um, almost. And we talked a little bit about, through the KOTOR uh, companion uh, episodes that we 
uh, have done about the different KOTOR companions, about how the characters each kind of play out a role in Mitra Surik's, like, purgatory uh, step, you know, stage of of this journey. Um, and I think that that, that definitely kind of happens uh, within Mitra Surik and the confines of this story, so we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I don't know that one necessarily um, encapsulates everything that there is about Mitra Surik. Um, I think just kind of off the top of my head, I, I, I think Macau maybe was one of the most kind of influenced characters uh, by Mitra Surik, right? Being, being abandoned, being left uh, teacherless uh there in that instance it changed very much changed the trajectory of his life um you know i'd, I'd mentioned mira uh their same kind of thing you know very much changed the trajectory of her life um but yeah i don't i don't know necessarily that there's a real like mirror for mitra Surik other than darth nihilus but that's not a mirror that we really get to explore too much um you're kind of having to to figure that mirror out for you know out for itself i guess um within you know kind of what you know about these characters it's less um less you know drawn you know straight down the line there um i guess you could say uh probably the character of atris who's not a companion uh in the game but she also is very intrinsically tied to uh this character as being you know one of the uh, most vocal supporters of uh exiling uh, her in the first place uh you know tales of uh tales of jealousy and uh rage and uh betrayal uh there abound for atris on her way to get her uh, starbucks but um i don't yeah. know do you have is is someone more mirrored than the others that that you see um in in the story cassian i used to just be like ooh, dirt nihilus is just a stupid cool mask guy but i'm like oh he does kind of like mirror her when you look into it uh I mean, he Sometimes. is just, he is that. But yeah, if you if you look at his story, for sure. Yeah, like, I think sometimes, like, Nihilus is just popular for the wrong reasons, you know? Um, and, um, yeah. And I think it's obvious that Kreia reflects a lot, you know, that, um, that, uh, that, the exile has in her um mm -hmm. but yeah i guess like kind of now that we've kind of analyzed like revan and the exile um if there were to be a kotor 3 do you think like there would have been an original protagonist for kotor 3 or like um revan or the exile I don't know because by the time you get to the to the end of each of these characters journeys within the game like they feel like very complete right uh revan has you know bested uh malik and you know kind of restored uh order to the galaxy right it's gotten the uh uh the uh massive uh super weapon uh there you know back out of out of commission so so like revan's story to me feels very complete um within that sense um and you know same for mitra surik right um ends up you know reactivating the uh mass shadow generator um and you know kind of kind of un undoes all of her wrongs for the galaxy so i guess that i guess the kind of the logical conclusion i guess and you know i guess it's stuff that we we know what happened you know between the conversations with Kreia and then you're know, kind of going forward in some media uh would it continue to follow along with mitra Surik, you know attempting to you know find revan uh you know in the outer rim uh would that be the story that would be worth telling in that game or would it be you know a 
bringing a third character uh, into the fold or, you know, just playing like the Sims with uh, Bastila and Revan, like, you know, decorating their house and stuff like that. So um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't or it know. could have I... been like uh, between two protagonists, you know, like start off mm -hmm, with Revan, sure. then you have the exile. It's hard because they would, they would probably have to canonize some aspects of their journey. And then maybe that mm -hmm. would have been too soon. Um that's what I think I would have preferred because if it was the Revan, like maybe some people would be like, but I wanted to be the exile. And if it was the exile, some people would be like, I want to be Revan, you know? So, um, right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It could either be like the two of them or a, a new third one. That's what I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. I think, I think it would almost have to, to be a third one. Like I said, I don't know like specifically like what story you would tell from, from either of them. They would kind of combine both of their stories with, you know, unless it's, you know, just Mitra Zurich out uh, still trying to find Revan, because I guess that was, you know, kind of one of the things she was, you know, doing kind of, you know, before the outset of uh, KOTOR 2. So, um, yeah, it, it would definitely be interesting. Uh, you could almost, it, it would be hard to do it in the confines of a video game to tell a story then from the opposite, you know, point of view, um, you know, from coming from the, the Sith Empire to uh, be hunting those two down, because I don't think that's the way you really want your uh, video game to to go necessarily to <laughs> to, to if make your final act hunting down these uh these two heroes of the of the first two games. So I don't know, that, that would be interesting. It would have been hard. It would have been a hard job if KOTOR 3 would have happened. It would have been a really hard uh, thing to have done uh, I think yeah for sure so um, and I I did want to uh, throw this out I'd mentioned a, a time or two here uh, kind of about the purgatory stories we um we looked at uh, Mitra Surik through kind of the the lens of you know uh, Dante's uh, journey through uh, purgatory here because you know, KOTOR 2 really is a tale of atonement, and we kind of saw some parallels to the different levels of Purgatory, and I just wanted to make mention of this, the uh, the last, the final stage of Purgatory here uh, for Dante and uh, Virgil uh, going through there. Uh, the final stage is Lust, um, and that presents the way out of Purgatory, um, and in the stage of Lust, pertinent souls must run through a wall of flames and come out pure on the other side of Purgatory. So, uh, Cassio, what do you do at the end of the game? You quite literally um, explode an entire planet uh, into flames, and Mitra Surik, uh comes out the other side, presumably uh, pure and out of her own uh, personal Purgatory. So, um, I don't know if their intention was to go a purgatory route with the storytelling for Mitra Surik, but it sure seems we'll like pretend it. it was you <laughs> know it sure seems like it going through um all of these character uh journeys and different stages of it that we saw so yeah um then let's see what else high flavor do you think she would have mm. that's right saving the uh, best and most important stuff for last what sort of pie would uh, Mitra Surik want um I don't know. I think um, if you're hanging out with Cray uh, all day, you probably feel like at the end of it, you probably feel like like you're not worthy of having pie. <laughs> like Kraya has convinced you that you're not good enough for pie, maybe, um, at the end of the day. Um, but I think she probably still has a favorite uh, pie flavor. I don't know. It'd be it'd be something that's uh, that's complex and interesting. Um, but, you know, e easily accessible, right? She's still like trying her best to live that uh, that Jedi lifestyle. So um, so I don't know. I think I think maybe like like a cherry pie um, would be good because that's something you know that's that's readily available. But but the flavor for cherry is a little bit nuanced. You know, it has a little bit of like like darker 
uh, tones uh, to it, but it's still sweet. So I, I guess cherry pie. I guess that's the one I'm picking. For me, I'm saying key lime. Key, key lime pie. Okay. Any any particular reason other than key lime pie is delicious? I don't know. It, it just kind of has that uh, flavor. It seems light side esque, you know, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not blue, you know, and not purple. Uh, and just kind of fresh. Uh, so that's what I would think personally. And there you go. Maybe it's just like one of those like whipped cream pies she just throws in the in the face of uh, Kreia at the end of the game. Says, "I'm not listening to you anymore." Kreia, yeah. get out of here. So maybe maybe one of those. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to say. So, uh, yeah, the the pie flavor journey was uh was also uh fun to go through here for these uh characters. Yeah, for sure. Um. Is there any other thoughts before we conclude? That, I think, uh, is going to wrap it up at, at least uh, on my end here for uh, Mitra Surik. Um, you know, kind of went through, like, her origins there, a little bit of the background of the character, and then, you know, uh, ultimately kind of what made her take. One of the things about uh, Mitra Surik here, uh, the, the player character, I guess, the exile, really, for the... Um, for the standpoint of KOTOR 2 is is really her story is contingent upon everyone else's story uh, to be told throughout the game, uh, similar to uh, Revan in that instance in KOTOR 1, right? So Revan doesn't really have much of a story uh, in the original KOTOR. Uh, his story is being told by those companions, and it's the same kind of thing uh, for the exile here um, in KOTOR 2. So really, the story of the exile is the story of the companions, and that felt very poetic when I just said it, so hopefully it made sense. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess uh, may the force be with you always. The Older Public Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisSMowersMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.